0: One of the things that Emmert likes to talk about is his commitment to gender equity, which I think uh, largely is bullshit. They clearly have much more value than what the NCAA is conceding within its policies.
1: I mean, there's full-time staff that are responsible
2: for that. Hello, all, and welcome back to Second Class Citizens. This episode will be addressing all things NCAA, or more properly known as the National Collegiate Athletic Association. Founded in 1906, the NCAA was created to regulate the rules of college sport and protect young athletes. 115 years later, the NCAA is a multi billion dollar organization focused on a lot more than rules and young athletes. Gender disparity is actually nothing new to the NCAA. The NCAA didn't sponsor a championship for women's sports until 1982, more than 75 years after the association was founded. The NCAA has also successfully resisted the application of Title IX, a law prohibiting gender discrimination. But the NCAA has a long history of pretending to care about gender equity and women's sports. Dr. Andrew Zimbalist, sports economist, explains this.
0: One of the things that Emmert likes to talk about is his commitment to gender equity, which I think uh, largely is bullshit, but whether or not you believe he's done right, he wants to have the opinion spread that, he, that the NCAA cares deeply about this. You know, he's smart enough to know that, that next year there should be no visible inequalities in the way that the, the women are treated.
2: Mark Emmett is the prison of the NCAA and has done little more in his fight for gender equity than hire an outside law firm to conduct an independent review of gender equity in all of its championships. This action came after Emmett admitted that the NCAA had, quote, dropped the ball and said that, quote, while the gender equity review we need to do has to begin and focus on women's basketball, it's not going to be only about women's basketball. It has to be gender equity across the board. One of the most outspoken critics of the NCAA's treatment of female athletes is University of South Carolina women's basketball head coach Dawn Staley. She released a statement on Friday saying, quote, We now know the NCAA's season-long messaging about togetherness and equality was about convenience. So let's use women's basketball as an example of this dedication to gender equity. There have been various points in the last decade where the NCAA has made an effort to address the inequities in women's basketball. In 2013, a report was done by Big East Conference Commissioner Val Ackerman concerning the state of Division I women's basketball and outlining suggested changes that the NCAA could make. Sort of like the 2021 NCAA External Gender Equity Review that talked about these previous efforts, stating... The proposed reforms that came out of these efforts ended up doing no more than sitting on a shelf. Hmm. Sounds like the report is exposing how little any previous reports have actually been listened to and acted upon. Dr. Zimbala states it better than I can.
0: The NCAA wants to generate the opinion, anyway, amongst, amongst the sports pundits and the sports fans out there that... Uh, they care about gender equity. They don't want to continue to be embarrassed.
2: And it's not just that the NCAA pretends to care about gender equity. The structure and culture of the NCAA is so that it perpetuates gender inequity. One of the key findings of the 2021 Gender Equity Review was, and I quote, that the NCAA does not have structures or systems in place to identify, prevent, or address inequities. The structure of the NCAA is as follows. You have the NCAA employees, which include the staff and the leadership, and then you have the NCAA membership, which includes colleges, universities, and athletics conferences. Representatives from the membership sit on and work through committees in the NCAA. I talked to Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard about his role on the NCAA Men's Basketball Committee.
1: The biggest part of that role is um you know analyzing selecting and seeding the 68 teams that get into the ncaa tournament each year and then to a lesser degree you know we're, we we get involved in the operation of the tournament but the fact of the matter is that's really the ncaa staff they're the ones that are really running the tournament
2: When I asked him what sort of role his committee had to play in the discrepancies we saw at the 2021 basketball tournaments, he told me that that's on the NCAA staff.
1: I mean, there's full-time staff that are responsible for that. If there were discrepancies, then shame on the staffs for not pointing that out sooner. That shouldn't have had to take a gender equity report. Somebody should have been able to figure that out. I've never seen what we give the men. I could care less what we give the men.
2: He also pointed out, that the Women's Basketball Committee already has a big enough job deciding teams of the tournaments. It's not their job to worry about the gear bags.
1: I do hold the the staff responsible for it because, you know, that's their full-time job. That'd be like me saying, you know what, I don't know what's going on here in our athletics department. That's not acceptable.
2: And the NCAA staff make decisions on more than just gear bags. They make decisions about things as basic as access to bathrooms. The Women's College World Series for softball is held in Oklahoma City every year. Until 2011, there were no locker rooms. Players had to change in the hotel or even on the bus. There were also no bathrooms in the stadium dugouts, forcing players to run down the sideline and use a shared bathroom with fans during the game. When coaches asked for bathrooms, they came the next year to find portable toilets in the dugout. A porta potty. In 2014, bathrooms were finally added to the dugout, but in 2021, players still didn't have access to showers at the facility. The stadium in Oklahoma City is half the size of the men's facility, even though they routinely sell out the stadium. And the schedule is perhaps the worst disparity. The women's schedule is seven days compared to 12 for the men. Women's teams get a single rest day, are asked to play double-headers if they lose an early game, and have no rest days before the final series. The men get frequent rest days, and teams can have as many as three days off before the finals begin. ESPN actually received some backlash for this seven-day schedule, so they issued a statement disputing its broadcast was the reason for this schedule. I quote, Ultimately, the format of the event itself is decided on by the NCAA. Jackie Joseph, the head softball coach at Michigan State for the last three decades, said that the disparities at the 2021 men's and women's basketball tournaments sent a much bigger message to the rest of women's college sports. She said, quote, Women's basketball is the premier women's sport. They're the chosen ones, and they're treated like afterthoughts. What's lower than an afterthought? That's us. So let's look at how the NCAA structures the chosen ones. Who makes decisions for men's and women's basketball? Each NCAA basketball committee has nine members. The men's committee has four commissioners of conferences, three athletics directors, two of which are from Power 5 conferences, and three of the members also serve as vice presidents of their respective universities. The women's committee has no commissioners of conferences. None of the three athletics directors are from Power 5 conferences, and there are no vice presidents. Instead, there are four deputy athletics directors. Commissioners represent whole athletics conferences. We're talking numerous universities. Deputy athletics directors are not even the top dog at their individual college athletics departments. This speaks volumes about the culture of the NCAA and how they view women's sports. Dr. Ellen Starowski, an internationally recognized expert on social justice issues in sport, talked to me about how the NCAA expects female athletes not to care.
0: They were just operating with this blind spot of just saying, well, you know, we, we know that we're going we're gonna to treat um, female athletes
2: differently, but they're just going to
0: go along with it.
2: A female student athlete's just supposed to sit there and take it? They clearly have much more value than what the NCAA is conceding within its policies. And it's not even just policies and practices. It's representation. Corey Close, the president of the WBCA and UCLA women's basketball head coach explains this. There is no representation for women at the decision-making table um, and the NCAA could fix that. They can fix that right away, but that's been going on in years. So who is making sure that women's college programs are getting what they need to succeed? Not only does the NCAA have a cultural structure that perpetuates gender inequity, its revenue distribution model prioritizes and rewards investment in specifically men's basketball. All I've ever heard is, but the NCAA makes so much money off men's basketball. Yeah, because they've created the system to do exactly that. Let's use the 2019 NCAA men's basketball tournament as an example. The men's tournament generated $917.8 million in revenue, whereas the women's tournament only generated $15.1 million. Why? I'll let the revenue distribution model of the NCAA explain this the NCAA budget for the 2019 men's basketball tournament was nearly double that of the women's tournament, with a $13.5 million budget discrepancy. And that's not even the part that really gets me. The NCAA pays a men's team $2.2 million over six years for a win in the NCAA basketball tournament. The NCAA pays a women's team nothing for a win in the tournament. Let me repeat myself. A women's team makes Nothing.
0: Women's basketball has far more value than zero.
2: Well, some could argue, well, men should get more money for a win because they generate more revenue. It is inexcusable that a woman's team deserves absolutely nothing.
0: The NCAA inexplicably, year after year, has given no money to the women for winning, winning games in March Madness. The women get zero. <laughs> and, you know, how how does one possibly explain that? How can you possibly justify giving the women nothing? And they've never done anything about it. It's, it's outrageous.
2: Again, let's focus on the message this sends to universities and colleges around the country. Even if your women's team is 100 times better and more successful than your men's, keep putting more money into your men's programs because they're the only ones that can make money for your university. Or... If we wanted to put the message in even simpler terms, men's basketball matters, women's basketball does not. If you're a president or an athletic director, and that's the NCAA structure
1: um, for the, the championships, what do you think the
2: presidents and the um, ADs are going to invest in? Incentive matters. We live in a world that relies on making money to survive. If one group can make you money and the other cannot, It's a no-brainer which group you're going to prioritize. And if you take this and apply this to college sports in general, if the chosen ones of women's college sports receive zero, what do other women's sports receive? What's less than zero? The NCAA has been engaging in a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, hey, Mark Emmett, if you are really dedicated to gender equity across the board, read the gender equity review that you asked for and make the changes they suggest. I'll help you out here and give you a little summary of those recommendations. Change the organizational structure and culture of the NCAA. There's so many things that don't take any money that the NCAA can fix. Give women's sports the opportunity to make more than zero. That's a pretty good start. Ensure equitable branding for all championships, including gender modifiers and championship titles. If we're the women's tournament, they're the men's tournament. Ensure that items impacting the student-athlete experience at all championships are gender equitable. Give my softball woman showers now. And this is one that I love from the review. For the next five years, conduct an annual assessment of the NCAA's progress in implementing gender equity recommendations. Hold yourself accountable.
0: One of the things that Emmert likes to talk about is his commitment to gender equity, which I think... Uh, largely is bullshit you know Mark can can claim that oh my gosh how did this happen I'm so so upset about it he knows about it
2: let's see that passion for gender equity Mr Emmett